episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on November the 26th, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the kissable and the kinky... The caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played. We're going to be talking about Half-Life Alex, Google Stadia's post-launch numbers. Looks like lots of downloads, not many players. Battleborn is Battle Gone. We're going to be talking about our 2019 Steam Awards nominees. We're going to have our weekly community corner. And if there's time, a Steam weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Hello, Craig and his young doppelganger, Griak. 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 Craig has been having issues. He's sick. Gonna have to look into why he's saying error can't send messages. Because he's sending me messages. Oh. He's he's currently working, though, so that's good. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. So, yeah, so a little bit behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, our safety net wasn't so safe last week. Thankfully, it didn't end up causing us an issue because, you know, that would have been far too much for Jer- uh, work for Jared to actually fix because, you know. It would have been. But, of course, that's a low bar. Yes, it is. Um, How have you been, I've Rage? I've been all right. My girlfriend's been over for the weekend and she's still around here somewhere. I, I promise you, she is around here. I think she's uh, in the bedroom, uh, curled up in a, a blanket playing the Pokemans. Yay, Pokemans! So she's being a uh, just a cuddle bug right now and enjoying her Pokemon. Nice. Um, and had a, I had a pretty yeah, I had a pretty busy weekend, but don't really want to talk too much about it. Fair enough. I had a, a pretty decent weekend. Uh, mostly doing stuff to get ready for Thanksgiving. And then uh, went to a local D&D group where I am going to be joining in the fray as a cute cat lady. For anyone in the audience who plays D&D, I am joining as a level four tabaxi beastmaster ranger who is very flirtatious. It makes everybody uncomfortable, so it's the perfect role for you. Yes, it is. It is indeed. Um, but other than that, yeah, like I said, just getting ready for Thanksgiving. Uh, speaking of which, anyone who's listening in the States, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. And if you're not in the States, I hope your, your Thursday was a good one. Yeah. And go, uh, kill and eat a turkey. Yeah. They're delicious. Turkey's delicious. Well, actually it's more the gravy that's delicious. The turkey's eh, most of the time. Depends on how you cook the turkey. I like a good deep fried turkey. Or smoked turkey. Never did uh, either of those. Mostly because never had a deep fryer big enough. And, you know, it's a slight fire hazard. Yeah, they are that, for sure. And uh, pretty much the same idea with the smoker. Just never had one big enough for a turkey. And, well, it's just deep fryer. Also has the 
possibility of exploding. Yeah. Um, I've never seen, well, not in person, anyways, a, a deep fryer explode with a turkey in it. I yeah. think we're doing a smoked turkey again this year. My going to my parents' house. They've got a big smoker in their in their uh, backyard, so we're gonna smoke it. Well, my girlfriend's parents are going to a town uh, festival for Thanksgiving, so I'm tagging mm-hmm. along with that. Nice. So that's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, I hope you have a good time. Yeah, uh, they seem to like me. So oh, they didn't kill me last time. So. I have that going for me. Which is nice. Uh, do, do, do. My brain is just mush, honestly. I'm trying to cram five days worth of work into three days. I have Thursday and Friday off, and I'm making sure I get everything done so I don't have to even think about work when I leave the office tomorrow afternoon. Being Wednesday afternoon, dear future listener. So, I... I you want to talk about some games? This yeah, is going to be a pretty games-heavy episode, yeah, I think, so... Yeah, we could talk about games. Uh, that, Sweet. Yeah, that's kind of the reason why we're here, isn't it? That is true. I mean, we could just, you know, bullshit for two hours, and then I could go to bed. We could do that. Yeah, but that's, I think, going to be the bonus episode for uh, Christmas, so... Yeah. Um. So, I've got two, you've got one. Um. Both of mine are fairly short. Yeah, do you want to just sandwich... Uh, uh, around mine, yeah, I mine's do. gonna be. You make it sound so dirty. Yeah, I do. I need an adult. Uh, so the first game on my list is the most recent and currently final announced expansion for BattleTech, which is called Heavy Metal. Um, I mean, everyone knows here how much I love BattleTech. You can listen to one of a dozen episodes where I go on ad nauseum about the game itself or um, the game club episode or the game club episode very true um this expansion adds the most stuff but in a way that there's not a lot to talk about so it adds a bunch of mechs uh one completely original and then the rest are um spread out among the weight classes it's it's called heavy metal i think in total there's 5 heavy slash assault mechs that are added. There's eight completely new mechs added altogether. So one light, two mediums, and then five heavy and assault. I think it's four heavies and one assault. Um, but anyways, uh, that's, that's the biggest pull for just sort of the average person, uh, who doesn't care as much about the lore and stuff, just enjoys the game. Um, eight new mechs, uh, a variety of of new variants of older mechs so that you see both more that you have access to and more variety on the battlefield of enemies that you're fighting which is um, always also, welcome indeed and also some of the mechs that were added have got multiple variants as well there's a couple that uh, i've only seen one variant for i haven't dug through the files to see exactly what's there but i have already ran into multiple variants of most of the ones that have been added so that is good. Variety is the spice of life. Um, they added a bunch of new weapon stuff. So one of my biggest complaints previously was due to sort of how the game was balanced out. Certain weapons um, were basically useless um, in terms of their like damage to tonnage ratio because things like uh, 
weapon variety and ammo variety were missing and other things that made certain weaker weapons more powerful if you used them in the right combination weren't there. Like, for example, now there are Ultra Auto Cannons and LBX Auto Cannons. So the Ultra Auto Cannons are like machine gun versions of the Auto Cannons. Ooh. The way that that plays out in game is that every attack is two. Um, you, they, I mean, they you consume double ammo, so you have to add some extra weight for your ammo. But a lot of mechs in the lower tier class that have, um, or the lower the the lower weight classes that have ballistic slots, because those weapons were so heavy in the past and were ammo dependent, it didn't make sense to use them. So you would use all laser loadouts or skip the mech entirely. But now with the ultra auto cannons, each round or each attack being worth two, for only an an additional ton on the weapon makes them a lot more viable um on on builds and the ultra auto cannons one of the uh upgraded weapon variants like the plus and the plus plus is you can actually find weapons that are lighter now um it's called weight stripping and it makes them more likely to be hit for critical damage but they are lighter overall so you can actually get an ultra auto cannon that weighs less than the standard auto cannon and being effectively or literally twice as powerful because you get two shots um, and each shot is counted as a separate attack, so it works kind of like how the uh, missiles do, with each one having a chance to hit different parts of a mech. Uh, so headshots, you, you you now get two chances at a headshot versus one for every attack. They generate slightly more heat as well, but not enough to offset the huge advantages you get in uh, weight savings and damage output. And then there are the LBX autocannons, which are like shotguns. Um, and they are by far the most powerful variant of all of the autocannons. Um, they fire six sort of uh, pellets at once. Um, and individually, they do much less damage than a single autocannon shot. But cumulatively, they do around 25 to 30% more damage per attack. Uh, and they weigh less than the standard autocannon versions. Uh, they do have their own special ammo which uh, has less per ton than standard autocannon ammo, but ammo weight isn't really much of an issue most of the time because each one counts as a ton on your total weight. So nice variant there. Um, They've added new varieties to the laser or to the energy weapons, a couple of different new PPC types, one of them being the Snubnose PPC, which is a shotgun PPC. Uh, That thing is ridiculously powerful um one of the plus variants that adds damage to it adds damage to each individual pellet so it fires six mini ppc balls or you know six buckshot ppc however and the plus 10 damage that you get for example is added to each individual pellet so it actually makes the weapon do 60 more damage if it's a total hit they are massive heat hogs but also extremely powerful so uh, good there. Uh, they've tweaked the stats on like the Lost Tech uh, weapons, so the Gauss cannon and the various lasers and pulse lasers, which are now uh, available for purchase from faction stores and from um, the black market uh, in certain locations. And occasionally you can find them as salvage as well. Um, They've added new support weapons, so you can get the Long Tom Artillery Cannon, 
which is an area of effect weapon that is stupid powerful. A lot of fun. Um, it does have like an inaccuracy, which you can in- improve, but it kind of will hit different spaces. It, it gives you like um, a, what's the word? I'm, like a radius, and it's going to land in one of the spaces inside that radius and do damage. And you can increase the accuracy with pilot training uh, until it gets down to a, a single target location. But if you put it in like a shitty pilot or a mech that can't handle it properly, then um, which there aren't very many mechs that can handle it. There's two or three that I've seen. But anyways, very cool weapon. Uh, there's new special things that are on mechs. For example, there's one called a Phoenix Hawk. This is one of the new mechs. And it's got something called Thrust Vector Jump Jets. Um, you can, each jump jet counts, uh, is, is I, I think it's 20% more effective. Um, so it's like you have, it, it's max jump jets is five. So it's like you have six jump jets on it. But, uh, every time you attack after jumping, you get a damage boost. Um, so stuff like that, like stuff on the sort of more niche mechs that can make them situationally very powerful. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, there's some new pilot related stuff, no new skills, but just some changes in, um, the way that you can customize pilots, uh, some additional options on that in the mech bay. Now you can rotate around so that you can actually see what the various paint schemes look like. Um, you can check that out beforehand. The uh, color picker is easier. Like it shows up better when you're picking your initial colors on the Atlas They've added a lot of new cosmetic stuff, like new icons for your ship and um, new tattoos and what's-its and doodads like that. Um, They've added a new series of eight flashpoints that uh, happen in... It's a storyline. It's kind of like a mini campaign. Um, Once you trigger the first one... Now, do you need the expansion for... uh, The flashpoint expansion for that to happen? No. Um, they're actually, I don't think, I don't know. They're separate. So that, that is a good question, but they show up separate on the map. The regular flashpoints are like these big orange halo things that you can see and click on. And these are blue and they have a little icon next to them. Um, I, I haven't seen anyone ask that in the discussion, so I don't know. I will try and look that up, but, uh, it's an eight mission sort of mini campaign, um, I've only completed the first one. I think it's hinting at um, the fourth succession war, potentially the clan invasion after the first one, but I don't know. Depending on how good it is, I might talk about it more in the future. Um, and then it adds a few other things, like there's a couple of new mission, mission types. Uh, they add some additional um, random encounters. They add some additional little sort of tags and things you can get for your mech warriors. Um, and then it's just a lot of small stuff like bug fixes, performance improvements. I believe that's everything. I, I mean, there's some more weapons that I didn't talk about um, and some more support equipment, I guess. They added the tag laser, which gives bonuses to uh, long-range weapons, so certain auto cannons, and then the long-range missiles. Uh they added. Uh, In other words, Nate. it sounds like my hunchbacks, uh, bazo- uh, particularly Bazooka Joe, would be a lot more fun with this expansion. Yes, I have an Ultra Auto Cannon Twenty, um, plus plus plus, and 
it weighs 11 tons and fires two rounds, you know, every attack. So at 11 tons, that weighs less than a single autocannon 20. It's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah, but Choose also, through ammo, though. Uh, like but it's crazy. also, and it's also Italian. It's fragile. Yes, right? indeed. It is. But yeah. I mean, that's it. It's it's just added a bunch of new stuff and and fixed a few, bu- you know, some some issues and bugs with the game. Added a bunch of new stuff. New missions, new mechs, new weapons. I like it. Me likey. It dropped on the 21st, which was last Thursday. I played it nearly 20 hours over the weekend, and it's going to be a major part of my Thanksgiving long weekend vacation. So, yay! Your turn. Well, I have uh, the next in the line of random Game Pass games that I'm going to try out just for why the hell not, right? Right. And the next one up in that series is Subnautica. It dropped in the last few days on Game Pass. And I thought, you know, why not? Let's try it out. I did not get terribly far in it. I think it's going to be one of those games that I may actually suggest for an October Game Club. Assuming that stays on Game Pass, of course. Because while it's not a horror game, it definitely triggered some creepy vibes but just because you know that deep oh to borrow a term from uh the Cray and Cobar uh, podcast mm-hmm. the uh, uh ocean uh wigglies where it kind of makes you unnerved especially whenever you look down into that deep water and you just see it go black and you wonder what's down there like I said, I did not get too far into the game. I only played it for probably about an hour, hour and a half. Unfortunately, Game Pass doesn't keep track of game time, so I can't really tell you for certain. And I'm playing survival mode, which honestly I think was kind of a mistake because I'm kind of focused on trying to get water, ironically enough, because yeah, you're you're diving but ocean, right? Right. I'm just not, yeah, my focus is so much on that that I'm not really exploring a lot more, which I realize Jim is probably furiously typing, but I've wanted to treat this as a first experience and not treat it as I normally would a wiki game. And I think that was kind of a mistake. I should have played it as a wiki game and looked up as I went. Because the game kind of, if you pardon the term a phrase, throws you into the deep end. It doesn't really explain a lot of what's going on in the very beginning. It's, okay, go out, figure out what the fuck. And that's pretty much it. You are a spacefaring human that their ship blows up for whatever reason. Uh, I guess somebody put uh, a ball of tinfoil in the microwave or something. <laughs> and the ship starts blowing up, you uh, climb into an escape pod, and you barely get out, and you splash down onto this oceanic world. And you're told to repair the some of the systems in your uh, escape pod. Have at it. And, like I said, it, it feels like I'm just playing it wrong. Because it's a wiki game, and you're having to figure out 
exactly what's to, what to do. And because it's also a static map, I imagine it's also going to be one of those where after you play it that first time and know what you're doing, it kind of loses some of its charm, for lack of a better term, because you no longer have that sense of adventure. As much as we rag on procedural generation at times over handmade maps, the real positive side of procedural generation is that there's always something new to explore, no matter what. You'd always re-roll the map. You'd always play another uh, game. There's always going to be something. But the problem is that it lacks the handcrafted feel of a, well, a handcrafted map. However, a handcrafted map has the downside of that it is usually either static or one of a handful of versions. And in this case, I think where it's just a single map, as far as I can know, it's going to be one of those... Oh, well, this is my second time through. I know exactly where this uh, item is. I know exactly where to get these resources. And it kind of loses some of the charm, at least in my opinion, of that exploration. So it's an interesting experience. And like I said, it's a very interesting horror-esque game or scary game without it being your traditional jump scare horror. Don't get me wrong, there are jump scares. I had a fish come up and bite my ass without me realizing it because it was swimming up under me. So that was fun. Uh, but it has that uneasiness about it of just that ocean depth. And the game is also beautiful as well. I mean, it is a very pretty game for being, what, a couple years old now? Yeah, I think two years old. Roundabouts there. So it has that appeal of being this very bright, very inviting game. But once you get below the surface and start looking, you could see this like unnerving horror about it, which I really actually liked. So I think this would be a really good or a really interesting uh, kind of October game club of just a scary game that isn't horror. And maybe that's something that we could look for for the next couple of years is scary games, but not your traditional horror. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I have this on, well, I mean, I know it's on Game Pass right now, but I also have it through uh, the Epic Store. Yeah, see, I, I don't have it on the Epic Store because I, I refuse to uh, sell my soul. I think it was the first game they gave away. So I've got it through there. Yeah, I refuse to get it, so. This was really my first chance to play it, and like I said, it's been an interesting time. I'm still pretty early in the game overall. Yeah. But it's an, it's an interesting experience having that kind of foreign environment and discovering little things like, oh, that fish is uh, kind of nearby. Oh, I could just reach out and grab it and then take it back and you know, refine it into water. But unfortunately, it's also you know kind of been my focus because I'm in survival mode and I don't know how to craft bleach to make uh, filtered water because I'm not finding a particular resource. But I have a feeling once I do, 
starting a new game, it becomes almost trivial, which, like I said, that's kind of, I, I feel kind of weird about it, you know? Yeah. But overall, I am liking it. It's just, I'm not sure how much I want to play it as well without, you know, some game club backing because of those, of the ocean willies, as they called it. Not wigglies, willies. You know, just that un- unnerving depth. Yeah, there were definitely plenty of times and places when I've played it that it scared me. Going to, the first time I went to the ship, uh, the crashed, crashed ship in the ocean. Like I was swimming yeah, I try- down. Yeah, I started to go towards it and uh, they told me, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, you have to get a radi- radiation suit first. Mm-hmm. But uh, swimming down underneath looking for, just like looking around looking for stuff. Big ass sea monster. Or what I was pretty sure was a big ass sea monster swimming around underneath there, and I'm like, nope, 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 back to the surface. <laughs> so, totally get that. Yeah, I would say that it's definitely worth trying out, especially if you have Game Pass, just because of yeah, it being a pretty unique title, actually. Nice. It, it sounds like you got a lot further in it. So, any thoughts on, from you on it? Um, well, I was playing in like normal mode. Um, and I played it for maybe eight-ish hours. Um, uh, is that the survival or? I don't know. Whatever the not hard mode is, but not just like hang out and enjoy the the pretty water. Oh, for me, whenever I started up, there was like five different modes. There was survival. There was, uh, exploration. I think it was where it was. You still needed resources to build, but you didn't have to worry about food or water, so I'll maybe try that next. Uh, there was a hardcore mode, and there was something else, if I recall correctly. So, I guess four. Um, I definitely had to have food and water. Maybe that is survival. I'm not sure. It's been several months since I played it. But, I mean, mm-hmm. I enjoyed my time with it. The... Just the farther away you get from your initial little life raft, sort of the, until you get, apparently there's like a jet ski or like a submarine or something so that you can go faster. I didn't get to those. And there's some things that's like, hey, go all the way over here. And then it's like, I got eaten by a monster all the way over there. And it's like, well, fuck. Because I have to get some stuff back and go all the way over there again. Go pick through some monster poop. Yeah. So... I mean, I enjoy my time with it. I'd definitely go back and play it again. I just kind of stopped. Um, I didn't really have a reason to keep playing. Like, it was pretty. Um, and I definitely enjoy typically this type of game. And it is sci-fi themed, which makes me like it even more. But, um, you know, it, it just wasn't something that I felt compelled to continue playing, if that makes any sense. Like, it wasn't bad, mm-hmm. but it just didn't, like, grab me. So... That's that's kind of where I got with it. Yeah, I would say that's about fair. It's one of those things that if you're into that sort of thing, if this is your jam, it's an amazing game. If not, then it's very pretty. There's a lot of the ocean willies, but at the same time, it's ugh, right? Yeah. But definitely worth checking out, especially if you get it for you know, in Game Pass or you got it free. But I'm not 100% sure if I would pay into it. It's 
Uh, it's uh, well, it's not as expensive as I thought it would be. It's well, it's on sale right now, but eh, twenty five. I'm not sure about, but going down to the teens, it seems a lot more reasonable to me. So my only other game this week is Mars Power Industries Deluxe, which is a sort of a simple, fairly simple puzzle game. Um, you are helping to colonize Mars, and you do so by uh, getting power to various structures, and eventually there's other stuff you have to get to these structures as well, power and certain types of fuel. Um, and you're given puzzle pieces in a specific order and you just have to figure out how to complete the puzzle so you're, you're given like these little pylons essentially and some of them are, are for um for power and some of them might be for fuel or gas some of them work with everything and then they do for do different things like on the first screenshot um there's a little kind of look like a tree thing it's got an arrow pointing up and then diagonally left and right. So you drop that down, and it puts sends power to those three tiles. So the one uh, adjacent to it to the top, and then the two left and right of that. And it puts these like little crystals on the ground, and then that's where you can put new power pylons is on the crystals. And there's ones that only send them left and right, ones that send it up and down, ones that do uh, like a line across the map, um, ones that will skip a space and send it over, and there's little environmental elements as well, like some the resources will have the, these, I can only describe them as spikes. It doesn't really ever say what they are, but they're like little spikes that prevent you from placing a pylon down. So you place a pylon down, and it counts sort of like a turn in a way, and then the spikes go down. And so the next time you place a pylon, you could place it where the spikes were, and then after you do that, if there's any spikes that were left, they'll come back up. And, and so forth. And that's that's part of the puzzle solving is, is figuring out those little aspects as well. Um, the game has got a, a cute little art style. It's a pixel art art style and everything's kind of um, bouncy and vibrant looking. Um, but it's it, it gets weird, basically. It, it starts out and you're just on Mars and everything is red. And you're trying to get power to these little outposts and these little camps. And then these obelisk things pop up and it, it, there's no, at least I haven't beaten it. So I, there might be something, but there's no spoken dialogue. There's no text to read. It's just this relaxing synth music that occasionally will change and either the tempo will go up or down, or there will be a, a difference in the tone or something and it's it's very atmospheric. So there's these like little obelisk things that pop up. Um, very, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey. Like, you know, obelisks that remind me of the space obelisk uh, or whatever. And, the, you know, there's those. And then later on, there's this little like, I don't know, stuff that comes up from the ground after you place pylons. And then if you reset because you messed up and you need to start over. The, these little holes stay in the ground and these things that look kind of like little dots or maybe eyeballs are looking up at you. Um, there's other terrain features that will pop up. Uh, weird stuff that starts to grow on the ground as you go along. Uh, not just the crystals, but like these little, I don't know, plant or tree things. Um, there's these things that look only as I can describe them as like 
Excalibur and a stone type of thing. And whenever you hit those with a pylon, uh, the, the sword thingy or lever will change positions and it'll do something on the map. So there, there's lots of little stuff like that and the, uh, to actually complete the puzzle solving. And then the atmospheric nature of it is uh, is nice. It didn't feel creepy. It was like, oh, that's a little weird. But yeah, And sometimes the music, I think, was maybe intended to be a little creepy, but it didn't come off as that way. Um, I've enjoyed the time I put into it so far. Uh, I got a review copy for it. It's only three bucks. If you like these types of puzzle games, um, and you're looking for, my guess would be probably three to four hours worth of gameplay, unless you're really bad at the puzzles. Um, there's like, I'm on level, I think 25, somewhere between like 25 and 30. And based on what I could see, there's, there were around a hundred levels. It might specifically say in here how many levels there are, but oh, yep, ninety-seven handcrafted puzzles. So that's what I thought. Around around a hundred. Um, uh, it sounds like ninety-seven. It does sound like ninety-seven. Uh, it says it's approximately four to five hours of gameplay. So, yep. I mean, it's cute. It's fun. I wouldn't have bought this, not because it's bad, but because it's not something that I'm typically interested in. When I saw it, I thought it was kind of like a match three or a combined puzzle game, kind of like, uh, you know, 2048 or something like that on, on your phone, but with, you know, Mars sort of themed stuff. But it, it's not that. It's not that. So there is one solution to these puzzles, and you have to figure out what that solution is as optimally as quickly as possible. There's no hint system or anything like that, so it's just trial and error if you get stuck. And I've gotten stuck a couple of times because nothing is explained to you. Actually, that's a, that's something. With there being no text or no dialogue or anything, nothing is explained to you. And in the early game, it does a good job of teaching through mechanics. But later on, it doesn't do quite as good a job of, of teaching through mechanics. And you just learn through trial and error. So... It didn't get... The, the reason I quit is that I got frustrated. And with no help system or anything, I couldn't figure out how to solve the puzzle that I was on. So I took a break. And my intention was to come back, but I haven't came back yet. So that's that's where it sits for me. Well, it sounds interesting, at least. Yeah, it definitely is. I'll give it that. So... Might be worth checking out if you got a few extra bucks. Looks like it's not on sale for the autumn sale, so three dollars. Well, if it just released, it's not exactly a shock that. Well, actually, it's been out for a while, but yeah, less than twenty days. I can see why it's not on sale. Plus, yeah, it is pretty cheap. Yeah, very true. Um, so I guess that's the games we played. So moving on to news. Indeed. Our first news topic of the night. We are going to talk a little bit about Half-Life Alex, The recently released, or not released, sorry, recently announced. Teased. Teased Half-Life game. So Half-Life's back. Uh, who else is shocked? Raise hands. Am I the only one that's shocked that they're actually making a Half-Life game? My hands are up. Um. Uh, well, put them down. You need deodorant. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> it's a good musk. Good musky smell. Um, 
we'll go with musky stink, I think. I don't... Stench. Stench. Stench is good. I'm in a bunch of different mind spaces about this. Um, I, I got to the original Half-Life friend? I don't, I don't know exactly how to say it. I, I got to Half-Life late to the party. So it doesn't, it didn't have the same impact on me as it has on the game, you know, or as it did on the industry as a whole and then many individuals as well. I recognize, you know, for the time where it was, how much it showed off a lot of tech and, and was, you know, forward thinking and all of that. Like, totally get that. Absolutely. Not disputing that. But it didn't have the same impact on me as it did a lot of other people. So I'm not invested in the, or as invested in the whole, you know, Half-Life 3, everything. And this, I mean, this yeah, isn't well, Half-Life 3. Here. So this is a completely separate thing within the Half-Life universe. Um, I have mixed feelings about it being VR only. Um, at least as far as I know or have seen, it's only VR. Yeah, same here uh, for... I came to Half-Life 2 very late to the point where I realized that it was a groundbreaking game, but because I came to it so late that everything that it did that was groundbreaking at the time felt very very yeah, standard because once you have a game that is so innovative like Half-Life 2 where, if I recall correctly, their big thing was the physics engine and how it really played into the gameplay. That Yep. To be fair, they did kind of lean on this whole seesaw puzzle thing a little heavily, but whenever you go back after playing a lot more recent shooters and going back to such an innovative title that has been borrowed from so heavily, it doesn't feel as special as it should, which is kind of a shame because it's one of those things that we wouldn't be where we were because if it were for Half-Life 2 because it brought so much due to the table technology-wise. And I have to say, uh, I think the same as you. I have mixed feelings on Alex just because of it being VR only. Where it feels like they're severely limiting their audience. But at the same time, it may be for VR what Half-Life 2 was for the shooter genre. Where they're taking a big risk and Valve is one of the few companies out there that has, well, we talked about before, fuck you money where they could do whatever they want and not have to really about it, really worry about it turning a profit because they own the biggest storefront on PC gaming and take a cut of every single sale. So they could use it as a loss leader to get people to kind of look at VR more seriously because gotta admit a lot of VR out there is kind of experience driven. It's very small games. There's not a lot of games that are out there really pushing the envelope. And with Half-Life Alex taking a unknown chunk of the Half-Life mythos and expanding upon that because there's this big gap in between the original Half-Life and all of its expansions and Half-Life 2 plus a well-known character and making a fully featured triple A size game so it's not going to be an hour or two hours 
it sounds like it's going to be 8 to 10 to 12. And Valve willing to risk it and do interesting things with it. It is a very interesting thing to me, but the thing is that I don't have a VR headset. I don't, my rig is barely VR capable because of my old CPU. So it's, you know, I'm, it's, it can be, consider what I'm going to build next though. Yeah. My rig is. So maybe the, yeah, maybe this is where Valve is wanting us, where it, we're considering VR a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I mean, I have dipped my toe in VR with the Gear VR, which to me feels like the best place for to have VR at this point, just because it's all contained in your in your phone, and the focus isn't so much on gaming as it is these other experiences or sort of the home theater experience just right on your face. But um, you know, that being said, I have. I, I'm my, with my next PC. I'm definitely going to be getting into VR. I have a barely capable VR rig. CPU is fine, but the RX 480, um, you know, it can do VR, but it it struggles uh, on a lot of titles from what I've you know looked at. So, you know, I'm not gonna be not gonna be really getting into VR on my PC this you know on this cycle. Hopefully this coming year I can upgrade. It seems like every time I'm getting ready to do an upgrade, some shit happens in my life. And it's like, well, there's all these medical bills or got to get a new car or bought bought a house. Although that one, we did that on purpose. That one wasn't an accident. Um, but anyways, I mean, VR has been a very serious consideration for my future, um, you know, PC builds for my future gaming. The thing is, is I don't know if I'm invested enough in the series to get into Half-Life Alex specifically, although if this spurs on um, a new wave or a new, I don't know, a new generation of VR games, um, then I'm into that because everybody would benefit from that in the long run. And Valve has done this before in a way with uh, Steam, how they made it, um, you know, essentially the DRM thing for Half-Life 2. And they sort of drug everyone into the digital marketplace age that way. This might be something similar, although Valve has had a lot of failed projects over the last few years that they have had. Yeah, it's dumped. kind of. Well, I was going to say it's kind of ironic we're talking about Valve trying to innovate and bring people into VR as we're saying goodbye to the Steam controller because they're putting it on fire sale like they did the Steam Link. Yep, and then with their, I forget what the name of them was, but their sort of pre-built PCs you could buy through. Steam Box. Yeah, the Steam Boxes. Those are gone. Um, Although Valve has got their new VR stuff. Not just the games, but whatever. Yeah, the, the Index. Yeah, they've got the Index. So Yeah, which is uh, and not out yet, but they are really pushing it with Alex. Mm. And what's interesting is that they're really making it uh, where they're relying a lot on the VR, but also interesting things to do with it. So they have gravity gloves, which it's going to be interesting to see what happens to those in the story, because she she did not have anything like that uh, in the game. And, you know, the gravity gun was kind of big and bulky, and so 
It's going to, there has to be something that happens to her in the story that makes her lose those gravity gloves. If they're going to try to tie it directly into Half-Life 2 without it being some kind of odd uh, segregation of gameplay mechanics and story. But, mm. but Valve has been good about, you know, working their uh, gameplay and game, uh, and game mechanics into one another. So we'll see how that plays out. But things like rummaging through the shelves to be able to find ammo and actually loading the guns from what it looks like actual movement to do that. It's interesting to see uh, actual focus on VR motion and VR. You know, trying to make VR shine and make it where it's not just you're sitting there with a controller, but you just happen to have the headset instead of a monitor. They're actually trying to make it so that VR is part of the experience. The controllers, the hand controllers are part of the experience and not just, oh, well, you have a gamepad, but you just happen to be able to look around freely. Or you have a little bit better depth perception. So it's interesting to see them try to work that into it and it looks like at least from the trailer that they're doing a good job of it yeah the the trailer looks good um you know i'll believe it when i see it yeah that's the thing about trailers but valve is still one of the few companies that i'm willing to give some benefit of the doubt to now don't get me wrong valve has had their stinkers see the, the Dota 2 card game is a big example. Yeah. But Valve also has done a lot of good in the gaming sphere. And I think Valve is at their best when they're trying to be innovative. Uh, innovative, sorry. And VR is one of those areas where there is a lot of room to innovate. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see just what Valve does with this because... There's a lot of room here for them to tour around with. Yeah. I look forward to seeing how it goes and how what developments come from it. Um, and who knows? Maybe by the time it's out, I'll uh, be invested in a VR setup. Well, it's going to come out uh, towards the middle of spring next year. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm, I'm about in the same situation, though, every time I'm about to build a rig, uh, see if something happens, either good or bad, uh, that prevents me from doing it. So I may be in the middle of another stall on that, but we'll see on that one. Yeah. But overall, interesting, to say the least. I and agree. It'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see just you know how the reviews pan out, especially how it handles on different headsets and that's the thing and also we get to find out what it looks like to get uh, face humped by a head uh, crab <laughs> yes yes indeed so yeah that's going to be a thing indeed uh, so speaking of uh, another thing yes let's talk about another thing which is not going to be a thing for too much longer well we're not sure about that but let's put it this way Google has a uh, history of killing things. Oh, you're right. These are out of order in the show notes, and that's my bad. So I'll I'll fix those. You you continue. I'll fix my my mistake. How about that? You admit it for once. Yeah. 
Because I was looking at the yeah uh, the show notes and I didn't see where you pasted where I I pasted the two articles out of order and I wasn't looking so at the, the, the top. There's some uh, rather interesting conflicting numbers when it comes to Stadia. Some some of them has come out after the release of Stadia and some of them are good and some are really really bad. So let's go ahead and talk about the good first. It does look like Stadia is getting a fair number of downloads, but it looks to be focused on mobile devices with a 175,000, according to SensorTown, uh, downloads on the mobile sphere. So that would be Android only. Oh, no, so uh, 90% of the Stadia app were Android with the other 10%, or 90.7 if you want to be exact. On Android with the rest being on iOS, so a heavy focus on iOS, or, or sorry, on Android with hardly anything going on iOS, and a heavy focus on the US sphere without really the infrastructure to back it up, right? Am I the only one that thinks that the US is kind of the worst market possible to launch this on? Well, I wouldn't say it's the worst, but it's certainly not the best. Unless you're in, you know, a major urban area, but, you know, 41% of users are in the U.S., according to this. Yeah. But it's uh, kind of interesting that there's such a heavy focus on the mobile market with this when, you know, they don't really have, well, I would say they don't really have any games to focus that really shines on mobile, but... They really don't have any games that really shine anyway, but that's kind of beside the point, huh? Well, one of the potential issues is I'm pretty Yeah, it says here you have the only way you can actually buy games is through the app. Ah, so that's what I missed that. Yeah, it's it's this is because this, I kind of avoided Stadia to be perfectly honest. Yeah, this says here uh, the app appears to be effectively necessary to use Google Stadia at this point as it's the only way to purchase games and allows users to cast games to their browsers or TV via Chromecast. Yeah, well, there we go. That's why we have so many downloads. But on the flip side of things, I guess I just missed that. Uh, the Stadia is not posting a lot of numbers because there's another article from PC Games N where they're saying 0.7% of daily Destiny 2 players are on Stadia. And... Stadia is an interesting look for it, where where uh, Destiny Two is uh, on the pro level of it. So if you bought into pro, where uh, you you get the Destiny Two collection, but a little over nine thousand people play Destiny Two through it. Which is not a lot. No. Not for Google, right? No, but okay, so I downloaded Stadia before we started the show. And I just mm -hmm. opened it and I signed in using my Google account and then got to unlock Stadia with your invite code. So I can't actually do anything because I don't have an invite code. What happens if I click on I don't have an invite code? Get an early access code. So you have to buy in right now. Yeah. To do anything other than sit on the sort of the front page of the app being unable to, to log in. So that's 
where that I assume is coming from. But I mean, so they... that also explains the nine thousand players. Is that you know that's the pro levels that's getting the buy-ins, right? Yeah, that would be the early adopters who are who are buying into it instead of waiting for Sadia to be freely accessible. Um, I still though, I mean, Google didn't do any because I mean, Google effectively owns the. I mean, I know this isn't how it works. This is an oversimplification. But for the sake of, of this discussion, Google effectively owns the Android OS, which means that they have access to a kajillion devices. I haven't received a single push notification, a single like uh, like ad thing in my my bar, uh, my like my, my little taskbar thing or my notifications. I haven't received an email, nothing. On it anywhere, and yet Stadia, you can buy into it at this point. I feel like you, they would want to mention, like, "Hey, check out this new thing," but they haven't. So yeah, it's Google always has this feel of one hand doesn't know what the other is doing, and it seems like it's that way for with the Stadia team and the Android teams because. The Android team should really be pushing this, but there's been some people talking about it on the Stadia subreddit where whenever they were not getting their invite codes for the founders, which is this whole other debacle that we didn't really touch on all that much that they didn't get the invite codes to be able to actually play what they bought into when it was announced, which, you know, uh, yeah, pre-orders, right? Yeah. But anyway, they were calling Google customer support and people had no idea what the fuck they were talking about because they never even heard of Stadia. This is Google customer support. Yeah. Google's huge. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the documentaries or anything that talk about what it's like to work at a place like Google or Microsoft, these places with these huge sprawling campuses. Google does that that like free... Was it free work period or something where the people are encouraged to work on their own projects on company time? Which on the one hand, I think is yeah. a good thing. But on the other, it's like that does lead to a lot of non-directive, you know, um, approach, a lot of non-directive labor being done, which leads to situations where you've got a massive product rollout and people in your own company don't know what the fuck it is or what's going on. Then customer support should always be. All right, you know, in the loop, per se. Because the fact that they had no idea what Stadia was, it doesn't bode well, right? Yeah. I does not. My, I mean, my my and, guess is... But hey, it's a good thing that Google doesn't have a history of killing projects or killing entire services just because they weren't doing all that. Oh, wait. Yeah, my guess is that this is... um. It's supposed to be like effectively like a soft product launch or something like that. Well, but it definitely uh, didn't uh, hit anyone hard. Yeah, except uh, disappointment, I guess. Because so yeah, there's just so many features or so many issues, or people are saying that it's not streaming uh, 4K f- uh, 60. It's an upscale, and there's a big debate going back and forth on which it is. 
uh, the games aren't running on anything above like low to medium graphic settings. It's just, oh, I really want to say people should not buy into this, but I also think that there is at least some sort of future for streaming uh, gaming if, and that's a major if, the infrastructure in this country could come up to uh, snuff because, you know, I mean, Amazon is looking at this now. Amazon is uh, rumored to be uh, launching a streaming gaming service. And I think if any service is able to go the Netflix model and have a subscription service where it's a, a all you could eat, here's the games that you could play, and maybe you could buy them piecemeal on top of it if you want to hold on to a game that goes out of rotation like Game Pass offers, then I think they're going to really be a serious contender to be the next big thing. Because there are there is going to be enough people near the servers to be able to, you know, make it viable. It's just once you're so far away from the streaming servers that it becomes less and less viable unless you're able to, you know, put a streaming hub in the middle of bumfuck Arkansas. Yay. But Bumfuck. I know you're a big fan of Bumfuck. Absolutely. Wink. But the problem is that you know, they're going to focus on population centers because it's the bigger bang for the buck. Or rightfully so. I mean, I'm not saying that they're stupid for doing it. They're actually very smart if they're going to focus on metropolitan areas to try to get these streaming services to be financially viable. But it's still a lot of money, so we're going to look at one of the big three or four tech companies to be able to do it. Right. And Google seems to be uh, spinning in the uh, uh, spinning their wheels. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, we will continue to develop Stadia as it goes through development and full release and all of that jazz. But <laughs> doesn't doesn't seem like it's off the or out of the gate. At a, at a good pace. It seems like it's um, struggling a little here at the start. Yeah, and consider, considering sub-10,000 uh, Stadia players logged into Destiny 2 on November 20th, which was the launch day, that's not a good sign for player numbers, especially if these are the pl players and this is going to be the game that they have, or one of the, I think it was two that they had available. It was uh, Destiny 2, and I think it was the the uh, exclusive one, Guilt? Yeah, I believe that's it, Guilt, but with, with a Y. Yeah, because why, why, do you, why did you decide to launch this on Stadia of all places? Why not? Because whenever you turn the Stadia logo upside down, it looks like a piece of shit. Does it? Yeah. There's been people uh, flipping the Stadia logo upside down and, uh, and painting it brown. Oh, uh, yeah, I can see it now. It's supposed to be like a, I guess, an artistic S, but when you flip it upside down, it does look like a little, little dog turd. <laughs> Just like Stadia. hi -o. Well, you're not going to be able to unsee that now. Nope. Kind of like seeing the... 
the arrow in the FedEx logo. Yeah. Or Yeah, but the FedEx logo was supposed to have the arrow. Yeah. But there is something that we can unsee, and now it's going to be Battleborn. Indeed, because Battleborn is Battle Gone. Or it will be. I'm so proud of that one. Yeah, you did good there. I approve. Um, Essentially, Battleborn is uh, on its way down the drain. Uh, um, yeah, this was uh, Gearbox's uh, answer to Overwatch. Uh, they launched a few days before and was trying to really play up of being a more hardcore badass ba- uh, Overwatch and fa- and flopped. Yeah. But that wasn't all. Uh, they, I'm trying to remember exactly if it was just they had some weird monetization, but they also had, uh, no, no, that's something that they did was in order to access the game, you had to go through the single player campaign or at least part of it to slowly unlock stuff. And nobody was real willing to do that, so they yeah, went to a game that you could just go play online immediately because that's what a lot of people wanted for these hero shooters was to just go shoot people. I know, a novel concept. Go shoot people as a hero. Or a villain, depending on who you're playing. Very true. But, yeah, Battleborn has been kind of dead on the vine for a long time. And based on what I've seen on some of uh, the comments on uh, Reddit, it sounds like the servers have been pretty much non-existent anyway, where it's just going to be the, uh, where they only had enough players where there was just, you had to get a pre-made group with Discord, for example, to be able to even have a chance to really get any hope of Anything close to a full game, plus the fact that the servers were unstable as hell. Yeah. And it, were just constantly drop and just go you know, fuck up. Yeah, pretty quickly. I mean, it, it died. It became very difficult to get a game pretty quickly after launch within the first few weeks. Then it went through this period where that they said it was a free trial, but really it was the whole game that was free to play. Um, yeah, but Randy Pitchford w- was eminent in saying, no, no, uh, Battleborn's definitely not going free to play. We're uh, committed in uh, being a premium game and just uh, basically taking the gun, shooting uh, Battleborn in the foot repeatedly, un- uh, reloading, and then continuously shooting Battleborn in the foot because, you know, big push for a free-to-play title wasn't there because they sabotaged themselves. It's insane. But then again, we're talking Randy Pitchford here, so, you know, that's pretty much par for the course. Yeah. Um, but, so they did that, and now uh, they have pulled it from uh, digital storefronts, so you can no longer download or get it acquire it if you don't have it already and the servers are shutting down uh early or, or currently they're saying that the last uh, server is shutting down february of 2021 so you're going to get about a year to play uh enjoy what yeah, you but, can of yeah but yeah but you don't have it installed right now uh, well you're shit out of luck that's true so what's the point of waiting a year i don't know well, oh, here's the thing. Okay, so 
you can no longer download it anywhere now. So unless you already have it, out of luck. So in 2020, uh, February 2020, the premium currency, the in-game uh, currency, is no longer going to be sold. And any uh, of the platinum already in circulation will still be viable, and you can still earn it through grinding, but you can't buy anymore. Then in 2021, in January 2021, uh, the servers will cease to be. So it's... I, I, I don't see why they're waiting so long if they've already pulled it from everywhere, unless they're really hoping for some sort of viral... Oh, well, the game's uh, not available anymore, and... Well, I'm just going to download a pirate version to be able to actually play it because you may still be able to make an account. It's just, are they trying to go viral with this? With this weird, uh, staggered, uh, long-form goodbye? It's just, I've never seen anything quite like this. Possibly. So I just went and looked on Steam, and I have it in my library. I must have, like... Mm -hmm added it or downloaded it or something when it went free. Uh, I'm seeing if I can download it. I think I'll be able to because it's in my Steam library already. But we'll see. It's currently saying it's allocating disk space for Battleborn. So, I don't know if I'm going to try it or even download the whole thing. But I just was curious since I saw it right there. Yeah, I don't have access to it because it's not in my library. To be fair, you know, no real loss. <laughs> what? Uh, nominate this game for an award. The Labor of Love Award. That's the only way you can nominate Battleborn for. This day, this uh, game to this day, the, the, this is the last line of the award. This game to this day is still getting new content after all these years. I wonder how many... Well, it's making headlines. Uh, that counts as content, right? Yeah. I wonder how many people are going to nominate it for this as a joke. Well, as soon as uh, people see that it could be a thing, it may actually be a meme. But the internet's a weird place. It is. So, goodbye, Battleborn. I never knew you because I never played you. Although I might, if it installs, why the hell not? What have I got to lose? Uh, disk space? Mm, yeah, I got a lot of that, though. I can always just delete it later. Um. But speaking of the Steam Awards... Indeed. So let's go on and discuss the 2019 Steam Awards nominations, that being our nominations. Uh, we're going to talk about what we nominated. And then I suppose in, what is it, usually a month, two months, when they announce the winners, they'll yeah, discuss those. Yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be the uh, Steam winner sale, which will be uh, about a month from now. Yep. Give or take. So so we're going to go in reverse order on the list, because they start, like if you go down the official Steam list, it starts with the Game of the Year award, and we're going to do that one last. So we're going to work from bottom to top. Some of these, actually several of these, have to be given to 2019 games only. Most of them, actually. Okay, most of them. Uh, and there's not a lot of games that we have played that are new in 2019. Well, I, I won't say that. Most of the new games that I've played from 2019 are like free bullshit that I've gotten through Keymailer or something like that. So my mm -hmm. list is going to be a little weird. 
just because I was poking through it like, well, I mean, I guess this. I wouldn't pick it, but the game I would pick is more than a year old. So. Yep. Um, so. Uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Outstanding visual style award. And we could trade off whenever we go first. Okay. Um, so I picked a game called The Wild Age for my nomination. I talked about this game earlier this year. Um, I believe March or maybe April. Um, it's got, it's an isometric, um, sort of strategy game that uses a, a, a blocky or a voxel-esque art style. I found it to be very cute and memorable. Um, and I don't, I honestly can't tell you a lot about the gameplay of this game, but I did, you know, I saw it in the media moment. Oh yeah, I had a fun time with that. You know, re- being reminded of how, uh, that I had an enjoyable experience with it just because it looks the way that it does. In some ways, it's not a unique art style. There's a lot of games that utilize this type of art style. But also, in some ways, it was very memorable. And I don't know how they pulled it off. But, you know, with the games that I played this year, I figured it was the one that most fit the uh, Outstanding Visual Style Award category. Well, I picked something kind of on the opposite end of the graphical spectrum. I picked something that was 2D, but something that conveyed a lot of humor and a lot of uniqueness and it's a game that came out in early came out of early access this year it is oxygen not included from clay entertainment so it's a 2d colony management game where you're focused on trying to survive with these wacky little guys that just really ooze character and that's kind of Clay's thing is that they're able to pack so much character into a very simplistic art style on the surface of it, and the game does not do justice to itself on just a screenshot. You really need to see the game in motion to see all the little wacky things that it does, see that the little animations here and there. Uh, and all the little nuance that the game oozes. So, yeah, it's definitely... Well, Clay is kind of the you know, the go-to for me for interesting, unique games. No matter the genre, even if I like it or don't like it, there's usually something interesting they do, and Oxygen Not Included is definitely in that. So that will be my nomination for the Outstanding Visual Style. Nice. So, the next category, the Best Game You Suck At Award. Yeah, and it's my time, or my turn to go first. And originally, I had Rocket League, but then I didn't read that. Oh, right. It has to be a 2019 game. And Rocket League is definitely you know, a game that I suck at. So, I got thinking, what was a game that I just wasn't able to get very far in? But I found interesting because I didn't want to just be, oh, this game was uh, just too hard for me. I wanted something that was interesting. And then I remembered we played 19-4. That was a pretty damn good game. It's just I wasn't very good at it, so we weren't able to get very far in it. And it came out of early access, so 
let me guess, you picked that as well? I did. I did. <laughs> I, f- I felt extremely limited by my choice for this. Because the thing is, is that I, I'm pretty good at video games. So there's not a lot of games that I play that I don't suck or, you know, that I'm, I'm not at least decent at. Um, but 19.4, like when I was looking at the games and sort of poking through the list and it popped up. Because every time you refreshed, it would give you sort of a different set of games. And so I was just kind of using that to look at various games I'd played this year. Um, and when it popped up, I was like, huh, I really enjoyed that game. It was really good. It was fucking hard to get into and figure out a lot of that stuff. And so I was like, I mean, I kind of have to pick this. It's the only one that really fits, I think, within the the storyline that – or not within the storyline, but within, within that um, – their criteria. Their criteria, yeah. I'm I'm looking at the one above it and I said storyline. But yeah, night team four was I mean perfect for that. So So that's one that we agree on. Indeed. So, so that's the VGL nomination uh, for a very good but very tough to get into game. Indeed. So, so you're up for outstanding story rich game award. Yes, indeed. And I picked Encased, a sci-fi post-apocalyptic RPG. I talked about this game, I believe, two episodes ago. Um, This was the one that I went on and on and on about, about how I liked how in-depth the story was, how rich the world was, how many choices you had for things, and how how much leeway the game gave you to solve problems on your own. The world building was phenomenal. The the part of the game that was available, I mean, because this is an early access game. The game is not in full, you know, not fully released yet. But the part of the game that is available, being the prologue, was still like ten or twelve hours, and there was a lot of replayability there just by choosing one of the different uh, classes um, or or jobs, depending on how you wanna wanna look at that. But there there's just so much was was so much there. And I wanted to pick uh, probably the Outer Worlds or maybe um, Prey. Yeah, unfortunately, Outer Worlds doesn't count because it hasn't released on Steam this year. Uh huh. And then Prey, I don't, is Prey on Steam? It, even if it was, it came out in 2017. And most of these categories have to be 2019 games. So, yeah, Prey is on Steam. But released in, you know, 2017. So not available for for choice so basically i just went with what i felt like was the best uh story game that came out in 2019 that i've played which unfortunately also limited it a little bit yeah unfortunately i had to go with a game that i didn't play but i've heard a lot and i mean a lot of good things about so i went with disco elysium Oh, I've heard so much about that game. Yeah, I've specifically avoided spoilers about Disco Elysium, but I didn't think it was... Well, let's just put it this way. I had a more interesting pick for innovative gameplay, so that's why I didn't put it there. Where it's an open-world RPG where you are a detective that has suffered a severe trauma, so you're essentially rebuilding your psyche while figuring out this world and trying to solve a murder or perhaps, you know, 
do a more nefarious deeds in the process. It is such a fascinating looking game. And it's probably going to be one I pick up uh, during the winter sale, actually. Yeah, there's the potential I will. Depends. I mean, I'm definitely going to get this game at some point. Yeah, definitely at some point. It also depends on how how low it goes. Or if it shows up on a Game Pass or something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is a phenomenal looking game. And something that I think is really worth looking at. And, well, it seemed very story rich, so there you go. Indeed. So, flipping it back around, the most innovative the most innovative yeah, this would be mine, gameplay then. award rage well i teased that i had an interesting pick and i picked a sliding puzzle game okay or at one of the uh block pusher puzzle games mm-hmm. called baba is you oh okay so baba is you is a uh Sounds pretty simple to begin with. And this is one that I have on my wish list, but I wanted to give it a nod because it is very interesting looking. So, you know the block pusher type of games where you have to solve a puzzle by pushing something around a level. Well, Baba is you flips it on his head where you also have these blocks where you can form uh, sentences which changes the gameplay. So one example on the uh, 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 on uh, the screenshots is Baba is you and sink. So if you were to touch water, you would sink in it. However, if you break that sentence where, you, like for example, you remove sink and add float, you'll walk on water and go across and be able to touch the flag, which is the wind condition. Or there are some levels that I've seen in trailers and in gameplay where you're able to change the game condition to just touch a wall to win. And it's this mind-bending weird puzzler that, yeah, it's just absolutely fascinating. And I've heard so much good things about it, but it's also a mindfuck if you're going into it and not expecting it. So, definitely worth a check out. Yeah. Okay. Um, For me, I actually struggled between picking two. Um, And the two of those were uh, Your Future Self and She Sees Red. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk about both. I'm, I'm cheating here. I'm going to talk about both of them a little bit, and then I will reveal Cheater. to you my nomination. So both of these games I've played, uh, I believe it's summertime in this year, somewhere around June, July in there. Uh, and I loved both of these games. Your Future Self, I talked, I, I can't talk about too much. because I can't really talk about both of these games too much because of spoilers for the story if you haven't played them. But I loved Your Future Self. I loved the way that it took um, the way that it utilized gameplay mechanics itself, the idea of sort of respawning, resetting, going back to do something different and how it, it uses your not your experience as a gamer kind of against you, the twists and turns that it takes. I really, really, really enjoyed that game. 
Um, and then uh, the other one she sees red was the um, sort of interactive choose your own or live action choose your own adventure type game uh, experience, whatever. Um, I've always loved the choose your own adventure genre, uh, whether it's books or video games or whatever. Um, and being able to see it played out that way, the way that they utilized, um, sort of gaming camera angles and styles, doing it in a live action, uh, video format. Uh, it was just interesting to see, uh, how that looks and how it works. I liked the sort of the, the choices along the way the the surprises in that as well um and the way that it utilized a combination of live action the 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 pros of live action video and an interactive medium to uh create a unique gameplay experience that i hadn't really i don't think i've had anywhere else before all of that being said for both of those i tossed it around back and forth in my head a little bit uh i did go with your future self for most innovative gameplay award i love that game it is a contender for a couple of awards for me for the year uh, coming up here just in the next month or so. So, your future self. Good game. And now continuing on. Indeed. Uh, the to, Go ahead. I was going to say the Better uh, with Friends Award. Right. Tell me yours. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> this is another one that I had issue with because it had to be a 2019 game or a game released in 2019. Um, there's not a ton of games that I played in 2019 that I felt like they were better with friends. Oh, this one was easy for me. <laughs> uh, the one that I went with was Astroneer. Um, I enjoyed Astroneer. Uh, I would actually disagree with that one. I would say it's actually worse with friends just because of how the multiplayer sucks at it. See, I didn't experience any of those issues with multiplayer that you are, you experienced. So I got kind of bored playing it by myself, but when I was hanging out with other people, it was just a nice, chill hangout experience exploring uh you know building a rocket ship another random stuff like i i really enjoyed playing it with uh i, I played it with jim and spaceman and i really enjoyed that experience playing with the two of them so yeah i had a lot of network issues but may have just been because jim was hosting and he's across the country from me yeah so my Better With Friends award is cheating because I went with Destiny 2 because it released on Steam in 2019. So it counts. Yes, it does. And I have to admit that I've really fallen off of the game because you know, I'm playing it by myself and I think it would be Better With Friends. You know, I don't really have any incentive to continue playing because I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know you know, the story of this. They don't really do a good job of pushing the story. So, yeah, I'm kind of meh about it, and I think it would be a lot better with a friend. Yeah. Is that, so I'm uh, kind of the opposite uh, of you as well. Oh, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was going to say, is that a hint? It would be better with a friend? Are you hinting at me? Perhaps. Okay. All right. But well, I wasn't going for that. But uh, sure, let's go for it. Okay. So the so the next award is the, or the next category is the only one that didn't have to be a 2019 game. Indeed, and that which really opens up things. And for me, there's a couple obvious choices. But on the day that we're recording this, 
there is only one obvious choice. Okay. And that would be Stardew Valley. Oh, nice. Because as we're recording this, they just released a major free update that revamped a lot of weak portions of the game. They've added a lot of content. This is the fourth major release of uh, content, all for free for Stardew Valley. And it has been truly a labor of love for him. Or for Concerned Ape, the primary developer. I think he has a couple uh, helper minions, but it's been pretty much him. And he's really focused on trying to make Stardew Valley the best game he can and make it his complete vision. And it's, like I said, there's only really a handful of games that I feel like would be giving this award to and not be, you know, some sort of joke or labor of love Battleborn. <laughs> right? Yeah. So... To me, Stardew Valley is, like, at least on the day of recording, the obvious choice. I'll give you one guess as to what I picked. Uh, Battletech? You are correct. I chose Battletech. I actually did think about it a little bit between Battletech and, um, well, I guess I didn't think about it very much. No Man's Sky. There we go. Uh, I did think about it a little bit between Battletech and No Man's Sky. Um, I've talked ad nauseum every time No Man's Sky comes up about how much work they put into the game. Every update slash expansion and all the content has been free since launch. Um, and that's been three years now that they have been doing that. Um, but I just can't get past how much I love Battletech. My bias is way out there in the open and I, ex- I can, I can live with that. Um, you know, I just talked about their third expansion for Battletech earlier in the show. Um, don't know where the game is going from here. They don't have a, a roadmap p- past this point. Um, I hope they continue to add new stuff or develop a sequel. But if they didn't, um, it's the game has been out for over uh, coming up on about 18 months, give or take a little bit. Um, and they've well, should I throw out the other uh, obvious choices while well after you're done? Sorry. Sure. Um, but you know they've released three major expansions as well as a lot of other smaller, minor stuff, not just bug fixes, but little content additions and things like that. Um, so, and I just I love it. I'm in love with that game. If it was a person, I would fuck it and marry it. But it's not. Poor Katie. Yeah. Uh, the other obvious choice for me would have been Terraria. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, once again, you know, they've put out so much content. They've uh, fleshed out the game so much. But they just announced that the last major update is going to be pushed back till next year. So I decided to give the nod to Stardew Valley. Fair play. Uh, whose turn is it to go first? Uh, Mine? Yours. Mine. Okay. So for the VR game of the year award, I had exactly no, this is gonna be interesting. I had exactly one game I had played that was VR capable or whatever that released in 2019. So that made my choice real easy. Derail Valley. Uh, I talked about this game really early this year, February, March, somewhere in there. Um, and Derail Valley is a first-person train simulator type game. Uh, where that you can walk around uh, the the environment, 
Um, there's like stations to go into. You can control the trains just like you would uh, planes, for example, and like flight simulators or something like that. You can fiddle with all the knobs and the doodads. Um, the game is intended to be played in VR. You can play it if you don't have a VR setup. So that is why I have played it. Um, it was a game that showed promise, but the last time I played it, it was still a pretty buggy mess. So I haven't played it in like six months. No idea if it's actually worthy of this award or not, but it's literally the only thing I've played, so it wins by default for me. Uh, well, I had nothing I played that was uh, available to be nominated, so I picked the game that I've heard a lot of good things about and actually looks like a lot of fun. Beat Saber. Okay. So, essentially, Jedi ver- uh, meets uh, Guitar Hero. Where you're going through and beating the ever-living hell and trying to dodge and, uh, well, kill things, or kill blocks, I guess I should say. I will give it a bit of a slight knock in that a good, about quarter of its DLC is Imagine Dragons, but eh, no game's perfect, right? (laughs) Very true. Very true. But yeah, it's literally the VR game I've heard the most about and thought, eh. Now we'll go with the hype one because I don't have a horse in this race. I don't have anything that I played that could uh, be nominated. So let's pick something popular. Yo, go for the people's choice, right? Right. Fair enough. All right. Well, that means you're first for the Game of the Year award. Yeah, this one uh, is actually my second pick because I wanted to give it to the uh, Outer Worlds. But unfortunately, it doesn't release on Steam this year. So... Uh, the technicality that I got through with Destiny 2 kind of bit me in the ass here. So I had to think about a bit about this one and thought, what is a game that I think probably won't win, but deserves at least a little bit of attention? So I went with a game that I found a lot of fun. I wasn't very good at, so I could have had it as a backup to uh, the, uh, the best game that you suck at, but yeah, I could at least still get in it. Uh, some progress in it. Slay the Spire, a card build, or sorry, a deck builder mixed with a roguelite, where you're going through a uh, progressively harder dungeon, building up your deck, building up your characters, and trying to slay the spire. I never beat the game, but there's just so much gameplay here between the different characters going through having different decks, having different events kind of change how you're playing, that it's a very interesting experience. And like I said, I don't play a lot of games that come out the year that were actually, I played them. So, you know, Slay the Spire was kind of my backup pick for everything. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. My choice was X4 Foundations. Um, I don't think this is actually the game of the year, but fitting into the narrow definition of, you know, having to come out within 2019, or, or their window for 2019, rather, um, and then having to have been a Steam game. I took a look at all the games that I had played this year. Um, and narrowed it down to the ones, basically, that I had just had the most fun with. You know, I figure if I can't pick what I actually think is the game of the year, then uh, I'll pick the game available to me that I'd had the most fun with. And I put, like, 
50 or 60 hours into X4 Foundations when I got it. Um, done a, did a bunch of mod stuff, got pretty far in it, um, and then just kind of stopped because as these types of games go, particularly in the X series, there's going to be a lot more bug fixes and updates and that sort of thing as it goes well, along. Well, particularly an Egosoft game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, looking at that list, like I said, unless I'm forgetting something, uh, then it definitely is my game of the year within those categories. I had the most fun with it, so... Or within those narrow parameters, I should say. So not a bad game, but not exactly a ringing endorsement. Uh, I don't know if I would have given it to Outer Worlds. I, I really enjoyed Outer Worlds overall. Um, but I'd need to think about it a little bit more, expand my horizons to other games I'd played this year outside of Steam. Well, that's the problem is that, you know, this is a Steam-focused award, so there's, yeah, going to be only the Steam games and the Steam releases, so that's how Destiny 2 got in there, where, you know, that it came out on Steam this year. It didn't come out this year, per se. Yeah. So, but but at least we have our own award show to be able to give the true awards to later. That's right. The ones that matter the most. So how many were there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. How, how many do you think we actually got, uh, got the right pick on? I'm guessing zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm also guessing zero. I don't know what major AAA games came out this year or, or how many, but I suspect that those are going to lead oh, the charge. Oh, let's see. Game of the year, it's, pr- it's probably going to be a Call of Duty game. Uh, Labor, Love, uh, maybe No Man's Sky. I don't think there's a Call of Duty game that came out this year on Steam. Uh, well, you know, they'll, they'll hack it in. And then they'll say, we're in. This is uh, just how little I'll pay attention to Call of Duty, huh? I think World at War was last year. Or no, no, no. Is World at War the older one? Yeah, World at War is the, the old, an older one. What's the World War II Call of Duty that came out this year? Or last year? Uh, is this called Call of Duty World War II? I'm, I'm having to actually go look because the Call of Duty series is just a, a complete joke train wreck of uh releases it is oh late 2017 release date november 2017 i thought that was 2018 damn um i know that they re-released call of duty modern warfare this year i don't know if that actually wound up on steam though well here's modern warfare remastered it's july 27th 2017 Oh, no, so it's not showing up as a, uh, available for nomination. So, yeah. Oh, that's actually a shock. Boom. So shocked I just yawned. Yeah, shocking. Call of Duty Ooh. bores me. Except for zombies with the right group of friends. Not it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, thinking... Red Dead Redemption 2, not on Steam. Um, I still don't think. There wasn't a new Counter-Strike anything this year. I'm trying to think of, of what games might be 
actually nominated. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe Destiny 2 would uh, be on there. Possibly. I could see Destiny 2 on there. Resident Evil 2. Oh, uh, is that on Steam? Yep. I'm looking at the Steam Top uh, uh, 250. Ah. Uh, let's see. Girlfriend Pedro may uh, get a pick. I'm just kind of uh, scrolling through the list to see what else I can find. And yeah, it, not really seeing a lot that I would pick as a AAA that's worthy of Game of the Year, but mm, all right. Yeah. But this is also just at the moment. Yeah, I'm also looking at the list. But to be fair, yeah, we haven't hit the major. Well, while well, we have it actually seen the major triple A's release they're just kind of all flocking to their own little corners of the internet these days yeah they all have their own launchers and their own storefronts um I think that does it for our worst nominees though you got any any final thoughts or anything to add I mean it's interesting to see uh I think the uh uh, the best game you suck at award is new this year. Uh huh. So that's a that's an interesting. Uh, I, I kind of actually like that. Yeah, it, I mean, it made me think about it. It's one of the ones that made me think the most. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Uh, okie dokie. Well, uh, moving on then. The next item on our show is the community corner. Uh, no emails this week that I saw, no tweets or anything, um, unless you saw something that I missed. No, there has been no tweets. It's been all quiet on the Western Front. All right. Well, then that in Community Corner leaves uh, Game Night, Community Game Night, which for two weeks in a row now has been Community Movie Night. Uh, this previous week, we watched Doom, the 2005 Doom release with Carl Urban and The Rock in it, uh, among some other celebrities, uh, decent-sized celebrities. So did you ever find out why he was cooking? <laughs> no, we did not. Um, Yo, I, I, I'm of the mind that Dwayne Johnson, uh, Dwayne Johnson should have a cooking show. I realize that the WWE owns The Rock character, but yeah. We can finally find out what he's cooking. Cooking smells with Dwayne Johnson, or do you smell it with Dwayne Johnson? Like, there's no good way to say it that doesn't make people think no, of no, a no, fart. No, 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 no. But you could, you could figure no, it do out. You, do, do, you, do you smell what the crock is cooking? Oh! And it's a, a show dedicated to crockpot recipes. Yes. I can handle that. Quick, let's get Food Network on the line. Or better yet... He makes it a parody of The Rock, so it's protected uh, via free speech, and he puts it on YouTube. That would be cool. I'm digging this idea. Um, But anyways... And his character is The Croc. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyways, we watched uh, the 2005 release of Doom. Oh, no, 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 no. The Stock. That, that's a better one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, fits better, or fits in with the cooking theme. Uh, but anyways, 2005 release of Doom. We watched it. Uh, it's an okay movie. You didn't miss much by not being there. 
The thing is, is that it, it is better. It's a higher quality movie than Mortal Kombat, which is what we watched last week. But Well, that's a low bar. But though. it's not a high enough quality movie that you go, yeah, that's a good movie. So it's like good enough to not really make fun of, but not good enough to really enjoy. I mean, if I was in the right mood, I would probably like it. It, it feels pretty, pretty solid B-movie material, you know, to just enjoy in the background or if you're maybe high as fuck or something like that. But to just watch. See Kyle? <laughs> yeah. But to just watch like that, especially having seen it before, I was I was pretty bored uh, part of the way through with the movie. But, I mean, we had good conversation and occasionally we made fun of the movie and stuff too. So, you know, it's not like it was like a, a waste of time or anything. Don't know what we're going to watch next week. Um, there had been a couple of suggestions made, which has previously been made. But I was going to offer Rage the chance to pick because I picked the first one and basically Jim picked yeah, the I second one. Yeah, I need to one. think about it. So, okay. So we, he will think about it and get back to all of us ASAP. And uh, if we know by Friday. Or as soon as possible. Yes. And if we know by Friday, we'll put it in the show notes. Or no, before Friday. Otherwise. Yeah, I'll give it a think over the next day or two. Yeah. Otherwise, just be focusing on Discord. Well, I could always uh, make uh, Jim suffer and do the Mario Brothers movie. I was the one who hated the Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, but he didn't seem all that excited about it either. Oh, okay. I mean, I would watch it. It's but, been a long yeah. time since I've seen it. Maybe it's not as bad as uh, I remember it? Question mark? No, 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 it's just as bad, but it would be fun to make it run up. But I wouldn't do that to you. Or would I? You would. And it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not going to commit to that one just yet. Yeah. So that was our community game night, which was a community movie night. Rach, how can they get in touch with us if they want to? Well, if you wish to email us, you could do so, vglpodcast at gmail.com, or you could send us a tweet, vglpodcast, on that little bluebird of Twitter. And since we are still early, uh, Discovery Key? Indeed. Doobly do on over Doobly to the do. Discovery queue. Yeah, I put in once again. I have something interesting right off the bat. I'm looking for where my queue is because no. the sale page is up. Uh, you have to go find it. Uh, it's uh, under expiration, so I'm gonna. Have I to got it. Probably. Oh, okay, but I got something pretty much right away, as per usual. Automation Empire. I'll, I'll be honest; it doesn't look great. But it's a knockoff of Factorio. All right, right down to building a rocket. All right. All right. It doesn't look amazing in its full release, but it amuses me that there we're seeing knockoffs of Factorio. Makes me happy. It might be one or two good ones in there. But, but it's all said and done. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think it's more the interesting fact that we're seeing knockoffs of Factorio now more than anything else, but also the fact that it seems like uh, the developer is doing something interesting with a fa- with a taxation system to try to force high efficiency. Uh, it looks like it's getting some negative responses, so maybe it's going to be uh, uh, patched out. Uh, who knows? Or you know, if you really want to be able to sit down and try to fix something there we go right indeed so i got one on my first pull which is rare uh lost ember 
Explore the remains of a fallen world from a fascinating perspective. Slip into the role of different animals to uncover the fate of an ancient world. It looks like you can swap into uh, like a, a wolf creature. That might be the default form. You can swap into like a goat, uh, mole, birds, all kinds of stuff. Got a really peaceful sort of it looks like an Okami uh, vibe. Yeah, that's it. what I was going to say. It reminds me of like a Okami, but, you know, more modernized, better graphics and things. And, and more shape-shifting. Yes, indeed. So, Lost Ember. So, so I got a game that though you've probably never heard of. Halo the Master Chief Collection. Mm, yep, not a clue what that is. Yeah, definitely not, you know, no story behind this or anything. It's just, yeah, shooting aliens and... Uh, driving around your puma. Puma. It's like a big cat. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's a smile on your face right yes, now. Yes, there is. Uh, but of course, you also have to crank the punk of music while you're driving it around. Uh, but in all serious, yeah. Uh, Halo Master Chief Collection, the full Halo series actually coming to PC. Uh, before it was only the first two, if I recall correctly. Uh, in the second one, kind of dialed the bond because it was tied to Windows Millennium Edition for some odd reason. So, coming out in six days, Halo the Master Chief Collection, or you could purchase it piecemeal and get Halo Reach for ten bucks. And it's all going to come out eventually. It's just they're releasing them one at a time and focusing chronologically as far as I recall. So it's going to be Halo Reach... Then Combat Evolved, uh, Anniversary, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 4, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so, oh, sorry. So, yeah, yeah very little known game. Uh, you may have never heard of it. So, I got one called Black Future 88. Um, Black Future 88 is a 2D action roguelike uh, shooter. Uh, it's a one of those sort of you climb to the top of the ta- tower type games, get as far as you can on each run. Um, normally, I don't pick this type of game, but I like the art style, the aesthetic. Um, Looks like uh, somebody locked uh, uh, Dead Cells in, uh, in a room with uh, Far Crop Blood Dragon and had to make sweet, sweet love. Yeah. That is an excellent way to describe it. What else you got? Well, I got Half-Life Alex. I mean, we already talked about it, but, you know, it came up on my Discovery queue, so, and why the hell not? And I usually don't put VR stuff on unless it's a good reason, and it seemed like a good enough reason. Yeah. All right. Uh, I got a game called The Political Process... Um, it, this doesn't look satirical, at least not at, at first glance. I just looked at it for a moment. Yeah, it looks like it's a politics simulator. There's been a few of these pop. Yeah, the, the uh, it's very low-fi. I mean, everybody has massive forms. Makes me think of um, the political machine. Well, sort of. But I was th- what's the game where it's like you're trying to guess the person and you flip the little tiles down? Yeah, guess who? It, it makes me think of like guess who. Their portraits. 
Um, but yeah, it, it just says explore a dynamic world of politics in this turn-based political simulator. Create a character, run for political office, write legislation, balance budgets, and more as you move up the political hierarchy. This is actually something that I've had kind of a uh, wish for. Not just jump into, uh, well, really just going for president or going for a major office, but have it where you're going through a, pl- a full political career and building a, some, uh, essentially a backstory for your politician. So this is actually pretty interesting that somebody's actually making this. The question is if it's any good or not. Yeah. I mean, it is a really amazing idea that somebody is actually running with because you know, usually it's focused on one particular office or one particular race and ignoring all the history of them. So, yeah. I'm looking. I'm trying to figure so, out what this game is that I'm looking at. Well, I got. Okay, one. go ahead while I keep Kingdom Under this. Fire 2. Create your hero and lead your troops on the battlefields of Bestria. Kingdom Under Fire 2 is an action packed MMORPG slash RTS hybrid. Choose one of five heroes and explore a fantasy world. I mean, it looks absolutely awesome. But I've never played the series before. I mean, it's on your wish list, but yeah, what isn't these? That's days, very right? true. But but an MMO RTS hybrid. Uh, it's been tried several times, and it's fallen flat every single time. But it'll be interesting to see if it actually holds up. What's kind of neat is it looks like it has some Dynasty Warriors uh, aspect to it as well. So we'll see if that you know actually translates, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think I have this figured out. Um, I haven't copied it yet. It's called Viber Disintegration Episode 1. It's a combination of, I believe, visual novel and turn-based sci-fi strategy game with mechs and maybe starships. Um, I mean, that, that pretty well describes it, honestly. I am into it. Chapter 1 implies... Uh, continuing storyline. But looks pretty decent. Yeah, I'm just... Actually, this looks pretty interesting, so I'm going to go for it anyway. So, how about a Terminator game? Terminator Resistance. A linear first-person shooter set in the Terminator series? Um... Looks like it's just after Judgment Day, T2. Uh, I think it's tying into the new movie, but not a direct uh, retelling of it uh, in video game format, which is an interesting way to do it. We have seen a few games try to pull this off. but It actually looks overall pretty damn good. And Terminator is one of those kind of mixture of horror and... Uh, suspense with a lot of action in it that could actually translate really well to a, a video game. Yeah. Uh, sorry, my kit. Um, yeah, that's a big my kit. So how many do you... How far are you along in your queue? Because that was my entire queue. I'm halfway through. Okay. I will... I've skipped a couple, mostly due to either you having them or they not looking very interesting. Okay. So, do you want to do another one while I continue Yeah. So, Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts. 
Uh, explore pure sniping gameplay across the harsh terrain of Siberia in this brand new contracts-based system, encouraging strategic thinking within engaging redeployable missions. So, essentially, Sniper Ghost Warrior, which has been some actually decent games, not amazing, but decent, open world, but contract-based. So, yeah, it sounds interesting enough. Yeah. Uh, Especially if you like your sniping games. I do like those. So this game is called... Let me get the link. The link. Yes, Your Grace. Uh, I just found something very interesting. Uh, these are troubling times, Your Grace. The petitioner's... Petty matters exceed our limited resources to say nothing of war. A careful balance must be struck. Your throne awaits. So I think this is one of those games where you're given decisions and you have to try and make decisions that are going to keep all of your bars properly satisfied. And I I like that in Reigns. So if this is done well, I suspect it could be a good game. Okay. I got something interesting. I got a Western game. All right. Okay. This land is my land. This land is my land. Experience the frontier as a chief of a Native American tribe during the expansion. This looks absolutely fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it's rare that you actually see it on the Native American side of things. Usually it's focused on you know the Cowboys and the Cowboys versus Indians. So having a survival hunting crafting game where you're trying to repel the honestly never-ending wave of you know, people invading your land is very interesting. And plus, you know, it's taking the side that you don't really see a lot, so that looks neat. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the price point because you know it's a forty dollar early access title, but it is a very, very interesting looking game. Yeah, I got one that's going to uh, ruin all of that. Breeders of the Nephilim. Enter an immersive, beautifully erotic 3D adventure centered around catching and breeding the Nephilim, an enigmatic race of monster-human hybrids with an overwhelming desire to mate. I'm pretty sure you well, can, I'm glad you're keeping you can figure out why I would pick that game. It actually doesn't look like absolute, absolute utter garbage. It's, um... I mean, a, a, a third-person RPG, it looks like. There's stat menus in the screenshots, and is this an MMO? It doesn't say it's an MMO. I could believe this was an MMO, though. <laughs> One of the top review. I forgot to put Steam into offline mode, so my family disowned me. Five stars. Oh, great Christian game. I can show my church friends. Look at you, free pawn jobs. Keeping it light. So, anyways, carry on. Indeed. So, how about we get back to Sirius uh, with Still There. Every day is the same on the Fairway Burner Space Lighthouse until a mysterious radio message breaks through. Evade the past, welcome oblivion, make perfect Italian coffee. Still There is a psychological adventure game about grief, technical puzzles, wacky AIs, and dark humor. 
I mean, this, once again, looks very, very interesting. But it's also one of those games that I don't think the screenshots really tell you exactly what's going on. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely going on the wish list to pick up later. And it's also fairly cheap and a full release, so there you go, right? Indeed. That, that definitely looks like Game Club fodder at some point. Um, that's me through a second queue. I just had a, had a lot of garbage in there. Uh, I had a couple that you'd already picked out too. Gee, I, so I couldn't I couldn't do those. Yeah, yeah. Our rule is that not none on the same week. Yeah. Yeah, my last one is a four-player local co-op, so I'm not sure about it. So I'm just going to skip it. You're. So that is my cue done. Cool. Well. So yeah, only took you indeed. two. But that means it's time for you to say, "Hey, Rage, hit him with the socials." Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on the YouTube's Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR, or you can find me on Steam. How about that Caffeine Rage there as well? And you've been Gaming Psychologist. Sorry, I was in the middle of coughing. Uh, you can find me on the YouTube's by searching for Gaming Psychologist on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at JMA4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can send a friend request to JRThur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly where episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Turkey Lurkey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. Turkey Lurkey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. I, I thought you may enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, that's one. a good one. Yeah, that just makes you smile way too much, though. So we may have to change it, but eh, we'll do it live. I'll wait. But if you wish to get a hold of us in the past, or at least to us, you do so by uh, emailing us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, gaming related topics, or just tweet us, vglpodcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness absolutely possible. You can find out more, VGL Podcast. Oh, sorry, patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. And our patrons are to blame for our Podbean. VGLpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS feed, show notes, and links to all our content online, or you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro down to her music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Key music is Doobly Doo by the same artist. You can find more of his work at incompetech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.